Hallelujah. Amen. You know, don't be bashful to respond, you know, because if you don't, I'll respond. <clears throat> it's good to be back in Richmond, to be invited to this congregation on such a beautiful note and a beautiful day. Fall's coming. Uh, Rosh Hashanah uh, is at hand. Uh, Elul uh, 29 is tomorrow. And I know you've heard everything about the blood moons, the black moons, the eclipses, and, and the shaking of... Uh, uh, the economy and the return of the Messiah, and I know you just have all kinds of questions of me about all of this, and I can say I have not a clue. Uh, I'm not a prophet. Uh, I, uh, I'm right along with you. I have many questions, but I know who has the answer. Amen? I'll tell you, it's really a joy to be here, and uh, I, get, I get up early in the morning, a great while before day, because I feel like that I have to find God earlier, look for him all day. And uh, so this morning it was 3 o'clock Houston time, 4 o'clock your time. Uh, yesterday it was 4 o'clock your time, 3 o'clock Houston time that I was on the way to the airport. So uh, my wife says, honey, did you get enough sleep? I said, just the right amount. Uh, and uh, I thought about... The uh, Elul, I spoke uh, on Elul and the meaning of Elul and the introspection of Elul and the 10 days of all just recently. But this morning as I was meditating and I was praying, I asked the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, there's just got to be this special word you have for these special people. In the transitions of life, you're going through a transition that our congregation's going through a transition. For 25 years, I was the associate rabbi of Congregation Beth Messiah in Houston. And longer than that, I've been 50 years in ministry. Uh, I was born in 1941, and that means I'm 74. So you don't have to work on that. Um, but uh, I have genuinely, for 25 years of my life in ministry, I was called to the nations of the world. And then in the midst of my life, in the midst of ministry, the Lord interrupted my life. How many of you have been interrupted by God? Do you realize that he does not get inconvenienced at all? Do you understand that God, does, you say it, God doesn't get inconvenienced? He will interrupt your life if you say, Hineni, here I am, Lord, if you just say that. You're open to interruptions every day in your life. Someone says, how does it feel to be retired? I said, I'm not retired. I'm on vacation with God. When my wife and I went into the medical uh, clinic in Houston, they said, who's your employer? And I said, his name is Adonai. And they said, what? And I said, yeah, Adonai Yim Lokle Alam Ed. And they said, what are you saying? And I said, he's still God. He'll always be God, and he is God now and forever. Adonai Yim Lokle. And they says, well, what, what do you do? And I said, I do anything the Lord says. I mean, you really uh, can strike up a conversation with uh, Muslim doctors, Hindu doctors. Uh, and, and, uh, and they said, well, you know, it doesn't have that on that list. I said, you know, most applications, if they're up to date, say others. And so I, point, I write out others. And, and they said, uh, and they really get concerned about me sometimes. Uh, matter of fact, my wife and I have been married 54 years, and she gets concerned about me every once in a while herself. But you know, as I have been walking with God 
for all these years. The Lord interrupted me and called me back to my people 25 years ago while crossing over a bridge, planting a congregation out in the rice fields of Texas. The Lord said, I want you to return to your people. And so I, being obedient servant of the Lord, I returned and I went to Beth Messiah, attended the yeshivas, became a rabbi. I'd already graduated from Bible school and seminary, and I was very happy going about being assimilated into Christianity. I was okay with that, and God wasn't okay with that. And so I began my journey in Messianic Judaism over 25 years ago. So in the midst of 25 years, all of a sudden, I'm running one morning about 10 years ago, and the Lord interrupted me, and he said, I want you to take care of widows, orphans, and Holocaust survivors in Israel. And I said, how do I do that? I had only been to Israel a couple times. I have Israeli friends. I have families. The Aronsons of my blood nature are part of the Mossad. They're the founder of the Mossad. And if you don't know what the Mossad is, look it up. I won't go into that. But uh, that's part of my life and the Aronson house that we visited and my family that lives there. However, I, I didn't know much about, I always had a heart to build an orphanage. How many of you read George Mueller in your life? And, and how many of you had heart? See, I was raised part of my life in an orphanage. My father was a bank robber and went to prison, and we went to orphanages. And uh, so I come from a, 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 you know, a blue beret in special ops to a bank robber's son being Jewish and being a Cohen. So mix that up in a pot. Uh, and... Uh, but the Lord uh, interrupted me, and he said, I want you to do this. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to do it. I didn't know what a website was. I still, listen, I have an iPhone. To you, that doesn't mean much. But you've got to understand, I've only had an iPhone for a little over a year. I was very happy and satisfied with a flip phone. Because all I really wanted to do was answer the phone and say hello. I didn't know about the the website. I didn't know about a web page. I didn't have a, a name of uh, Israel Benevolence Fund. I had nothing. I, I, I just had the call of God. And I went home and, and the Lord said, now, you understand, I don't want you to raise any funds from Congregation Beth Messiah. We're in about a $6 million building fund. And when I went in and talked to Rabbi Richard about how God had called me, he knows me. We've been friends and been co-workers for years. He almost fell off his chair. He said, how in the world are we going to build this building and raise funds for the poor of Israel? And uh, I said, brother, the Lord told me not to say anything to our congregation at least for four months. Well, now I'm out there and I'm just walking and, or running and and all of a sudden, I get a telephone call from Lafayette, Louisiana, and it was a businessman that I had affirmed through the years. And his son got born again that night, Joshua. And he said, Rabbi, God just spoke to my son and I. We want to send you a check for $25,000, and we don't know why and what it's for. Who do we make it out to? And I said, just make it out to Congregation Beth Messiah. We're going to split it in half. Half's going to IBF. And out of my mouth, not IDF, Israel Defense Forth, but IBF, Israel Benevolence Fund. And of course, we did a web search, and IBF is a, a financial organization. Israel Benevolence Fund is ours on org, uh, net, and whatever the other one is. 
But on a given day at Beth Messiah, I stood before the congregation and I said, folks, I need your help. I said, I don't know what a website is. I'm dyslexic, can't spell, and I'm in trouble. God has called me to do this work. And in the congregation that day, there was a webmaster, uh, an award-winning webmaster. He was sitting over here. There was a, a graphic design person over there, and there was a person that writes web for many of the uh, productions in Hollywood, all in the service that day. And I said, if you would, just please meet me after service. All three of them came down, and we are on the air in less than 24 hours. And from that time, from that time, within just months, thousands of dollars begin to flow in and flow out to the poor and the Holocaust survivors, at-risk kids, um, uh, widows. Um, we, we can't build an orphanage, so we did the next best thing. We got foster care systems. Israel won't let us build an orphanage because the Orthodox are in charge of the orphanages. And so we decided instead of, of doing that, there's got to be a way, Lord. So we did the foster care system. And now Israel's doing orphan slash foster care systems in the nation of Israel. But because we're the work we're doing, they allow us to do what we're doing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And recently I got a telephone call and there's a persons and persons in the Knesset that wants to meet with me in November when I get there and uh, want to talk about what we're doing in the nation of Israel. In less than 10 years, we've raised over a million and a half dollars. I say we have, God has. <laughs> and it's all going out. For, five, for seven and a half years, we had 0% overhead. And for this past year, because of our own 501c3 and everything that was approved over it, and get this, it was approved in 22 days. We submitted it. Actually, it was approved in 10. It took seven days or so to get back to us. It was in Ohio, and I figured there was a Messianic person working for the IRS, and they saw who it was, and maybe they went to Congregation Beth Messiah up there or something, but it was miraculous. And uh, the Lord is just blessing us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you, young people. Thank you for having a special um, raise funds for IBF. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Two weeks ago, I spoke in a Chinese church, and it went viral, and it went to 100,000 people in China in underground churches, and we talked about it. And I was telling David and Mary, and I think the group, whoever was there yesterday, that there's a Chinese man that found out about us, and he sends us $777.77 every three months. You know, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take $7,777.77, you know. But uh, the Lord is so good. And recently, a businessman um, uh, sent us a check to pay for my daughter and I's round trip in November uh, to Israel and back. And I haven't paid for a trip, and I've been 12 times. That's how God works. God gave me a vision, and God made provision. And if you feel that you'd like to know more about it, just go israelbenevolencefund.org and pull it up. And you can do it, your giving, and it will show you all the networking that we're doing throughout the nation of Israel. So 
Let's pray together. I have a, a word for you, and I won't keep you long, just long enough. Amen? Just long enough. Father, this morning I just come to you in the name of Yeshua, thanking you for your grace and your mercy, your love, your kindness. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for my grace that I'm saved through faith, that not of myself, none of the works that I could do. It's nothing that I can do that would save me, Lord. It's your grace. Thank you, Lord, that according to your word and the 13 principles that we read during this time and tomorrow in the next few days, your principles of forgiveness. Lord, you forgive us when we do things wrong, when we intended to do things wrong. When we cut across your word and your way, you forgive us. If we will confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Yeshua cleanses us from all sin. You said the only thing, Lord, that you would hold us guilty for in Nechis is that the one who will not repent. Give us hearts, Lord, to know you today. Give us hearts to know where we stand today. You said we could know the day. You said that we could know the time. You said, Lord, that hidden things are in Deuteronomy 29, 29. Lord, you said that these things are hidden for you, but you reveal them to your children who obey your law, who obey your word. And so, Lord, there's nothing hidden that can't be seen through the eyes that you open. I pray today a supernatural, powerful blessing upon every person here. Lord, you came to set the captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted. You came to heal. You came to deliver. And Lord, today we, we rest ourselves in you, knowing that you're able to do far and exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think or do. A questioning heart, Lord, you don't despise. You said, come, let us reason together. Lord, you said that we can ask and we receive. You said if we knock, the door will be open. You said all these promises to us. And today as I stand in the holy place of the prophets in the shoes of the ancients of days, I bless your holy name. Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'alam. A strange scripture today to read on the doorway and the doorsteps of Elul 29 in Shemitah. Now, Jonathan Kahn and I don't agree on, on uh, the, uh, uh, we do agree on the Shemitah. We do agree on a lot of things. And Jonathan and I have been friends for a long time. And you know you're reading his book, The Harbinger, and all these things. But Jubilee can't come to Israel until Mashiach comes and gathers us all together. So Jubilee is yet to come. Now, we can have personal Jubilee. We can have, uh, but this is, 70, uh, this is 5770 what coming up? 5770, it's, it's now 75. Okay, so in order to have every 50 years, you can't do it on 76. You got to have another 50 added to it, which would be 600. So, I mean, it, I'm, I'm talking about biblically speaking. I'm not talking about evangelistically. I'm not talking about, and I'm not talking about the rabbis that took away 18 years to make sure that this one was called the Messiah and, and Schneerson is called and all these. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about from creation. This is a time of creation. This is the day and a time when in the beginning God created everything and it was good. He looked at it and he smiled and he said this. 
this is good. He made light, and he said, this is good. He made man and, and, and woman. He said, this is good. And all these things, and God said, this is good. I'm not so sure that God is looking at us today in this nation and the nations of the world saying, I'm very happy, and this is good. I don't think it is good. I think that we're in the midst of a judgment of God, both as a nation and the world. I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking about the world. I see things happening in the world, and they're all happening at the same time. And it says it's almost like a sign of the Messiah's words to us in Matthew 24 and 25. It's like it's these things as in the days of Noah, and it's like uh, Daniel 7 and, and Daniel 9 and, and uh, you know, Zechariah and all these things. It's like it's all happening right now. And they said, well, this gospel must be preached to the nation. Listen, I spoke in Austin just a couple weeks ago, and it spoke to thousands, millions of people all over the world, and I'm standing right in a Chinese church. And from there, electronically, it went out. And now it's on YouTube, whatever that is. And so, you see, I believe, according to Psalms, that the voice of the Lord has been heard. It's like the sun that gets up in the morning and it takes its journey and there's no place on earth that it hasn't touched and it goes back and it returns and it cycles again. And I believe the word went out of Zion. I believe it went out. The Torah went out and it went out and it went out and it went out and it circulates and there's no place in the earth that it hasn't gone. I know that there's groups of people and tribes that have broken off from tribes and so on and so forth. But I believe that we're living in a day that's never been like this before. Never. And I think it's something that we need to be serious about. If this is the hour and this is the day and this is the month of Tishri when the Lord will return, we don't have time to prepare. We have time to repent. And that's what Tishri is all about. It's a time and a day of repentance. And if you've been working and if you've been praying Psalm 27 for 29, 28 days, as we read today, and if you've been reading these things and you've been looking within your own heart and examine your own heart, like Shaul said, let a man examine his own heart where he is, not your neighbors. You know, we want to judge everybody out there. The Lord says, don't judge those from without, judge those from within. And judgment begins at the house of God. It doesn't begin at the White House. It begins at my house. We can complain about all the houses of representatives, but what about our house? God says our house will be called a house of prayer, and there's many children that grow up without ever hearing their mother or father whisper a prayer or say a prayer at the dinner table or at the breakfast table. Everybody's in a hurry grabbing the newspaper, the briefcases, and going out on the door, uh, out the door. Very few people. Statistics say that, that over 90% of the pulpits of America read their Bible less than an hour a year. And we want to judge those without. But in saying all of that, I just want to share this with you. Psalms 1. The title of the message today is the blessed people. It says in Psalms 1, and my Bible's falling apart. Uh, I read it a lot. Somebody said, read the black and do the red, but I, I don't know. Uh, I have red, yellow, blue. My book of Revelations is falling out, so uh, forgive me, but
but I don't have a um, non-held. It says, blessed is the man. That's anybody and everybody. Happy is a person. Satisfied is a person. Listen, we got struggles, Dolly and I, with her muscular dystrophy and our journey in life after 54 years of marriage. She's still my hottie. I got pictures of her in my mother's living room, and I was shipped out to Libya in 1961, and her pretty self was there, and I said, wow, we found them in a box, and they, we started showing them to the great-grandkids. That's Ganny? Wow. I said, she's still wow. But you know what? Blessed, satisfied, peaceful, enjoyment of life is this person, and I hope it's you and I, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. There's a lot of ungodly counsel. There's a lot of stuff going on trying to pull you and tug you and move you in the wrong direction. There's fads. There's all kinds of things. We think that the youth have, are a problem I heard recently from a historian that this next generation is going, if the Lord tarries, is going to turn this nation back to righteousness. I heard that recently from a historian, that the young people that believe in God are becoming bolder in their stand than any other time since World War I. And they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they're, 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 they're turning. There won't even be a platform that mentions abortion. Because it will be done away with by these next generations. This is what this man said. And I wanted to stand up and applaud in my living room when I heard him say that on TV. I thought, wow, I hope that's true. Because it's the hope of America. Or our next generation. Door to door. Who stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor, nor, sit, nor stands in the path of sinners. A little boy went to his Shabbat school teacher, and he said to his Shabbat teacher, I wished I could see Yeshua in my daddy. He said, I come to Shabbat school and I learn about Yeshua. And I see Yeshua, and little tears running down his face. And his daddy is a shamish, and his grandpa's an elder, but he can't see Yeshua in their lives. And I thought, how sad. He slaps his wife. He screams and cusses at his children. He rages in driving. He criticizes everything around him and comes to Shabbat and says, Baruch Atah Adonai. That stand not in the way of sinners. But his delight is found in the law of the Lord. And thus he meditates day and night. I want to encourage you to do something. I don't know if you do this. If you, if, you, if you do, that's fine. If you don't, I wish you would. How many of you journal? Look at here. How many? Okay. How many of you don't journal? Naughty, naughty, naughty. 
These are true sayings. They're faithful. Write them down. Many times in scriptures, the authors of the scriptures, Yeshua himself, even the Holy Spirit, through the prophets said, write these things down. They're true and they're faithful. I've written so many journals. I'm writing one right now for my great-grandson, Joshua Levi Aronson. He gets this journal. My daughters have journals. They have my first Bibles that the pages were falling out and my index and the part of Revelations just fell off again. I love the Lord. I love His Word. Listen, I know that you're going to be encouraged in the months ahead to read the Bible through. I don't know how many of you read the Bible through, but I showed David Wine this. Listen to this. Do you love God's Word? Do you really meditate upon it day and night? Is it really all about God's Word in your life? There are 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old and 27 in the New. There are 929 chapters in the Old and 260 in the New. There's a total of 18, uh, there's a total of 1,189 chapters. Doesn't seem that way, does it? There are 31,102 verses. The center of the Bible is Psalms 117 verses 1 and 2, right in the middle of that. And the two verses in the middle on 29, 14 and a half, I always call it, the center words of the Bible is mercy and kindness. The very center of this book, old and new, is mercy and kindness. Did you know that? Mercy and kindness. Meditating on His Word. If you read 3.26 chapters every day, and you will read through the Bible in one year. That's 85.21 words in a day, 3.56 words in an hour, 0.05917 per minute. There are 24 hours in a day. How much time are you giving God in His Word? I want to challenge you. I don't ever really get up and say this very much, but I read the Bible through five times last year. This year has been a tough year. I've only read it through three times. But I'm telling you, I'm challenged to read it through as many times as I possibly can. And I'm the slowest reader in this room. The slowest reader. I challenge you. It says that, that this person, it says his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates day and night. And it says this. He'll be like a tree planted. Planted. Now, the Lord refers to us all as trees. Throughout the Scriptures, we're good, bad, cut a limb off, prune, throw them in the fire, stack them up, you know, bear fruit, not fruit. We're all a bunch of fruit trees. Now, there's a lot of fruit in the world, but we're fruit trees, I'm thinking sometimes in my life I was a crab apple. Other times a peach, real peachy guy. But 
the thing about it is we're a tree. And I want to show you something very important. Richmond Congregation. What's happening in a fruitless world is this. Many people who are supposed to be planted, you know, this has always been my prayer for 25, over 25 years. Lord, those who you called cannot leave, and those who you haven't cannot stay. Life is too short, and everybody needs to be in their place planted. Planted. What happens to a tree that's in its blossom, in its bloom? And you just yank it up and drag it around for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. And then all of a sudden you think, well, we'll stick it in the bucket. It dies. And just about the time that we're going to get the fruit of all fruit, just about the time we uproot ourselves from the place that God's planted us, and the fruit is spoiled. And we keep asking God for revival and keep asking God for fruit and keep asking God for souls. And the Lord says, well, stay planted. I'm bringing them. I will nourish you. I'll dig around it. I'll help you. I'll bring the winds, uh, Jeremiah 17. They're going to come and the droughts are going to come and hard times are going to come. But you, a big tree, you're the tree. You're the tree that's planted by the water and your roots are deep within that living water, and you will bear fruit, even in the seasons of drought and despair. You will bear fruit, Jeremiah 17, read it. But those who put their trust in men, those who put their trust in the swavy words of people, they will lose their fruit. Because storms will come to all of us, but only those who stand strong and planted. The book of Acts chapter 2 is a wonderful illustration of being in the right place at the right time. Yeshua says, go to Jerusalem. He didn't tell him to go to the Galilee. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait till you be endued with power. And then that day on Shavuot, he outpours the Spirit of God in a divine place at a divine time according to God's appointed place. You need to be in God's place. You need to be doing God's stuff in the place where God has you planted. Everybody needs to do something. I always say, do something. I used to tell my grandson, he's a Navy SEAL, I said, do something even if it's wrong. He's 6'4". I used to wrestle him down in a four. I can say I haven't done that in a long time. But I would tell him, Ben, it's not how big you are up here. It's how big you are here. Honor, honor is not bestowed. Honor is won. There's a lot of people. I was at Home Depot the other day, and this guy had a Marine Corps hat on, and I said, simplify. He said, what's that? There's a lot of people wearing a lot of uniforms, saying a lot of things, but they have no duty both to themselves, family, nation, and congregation. And I hope that that's you today. You'll throw those false garments aside and stand before God and ask Him to put His garments on you. You're a mighty warrior for the hour we're living in. Don't be despaired. We win. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers 
of water and brings forth his fruit in the season, who leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. There's two illustrations here. There's a person who's wild about the Lord in God's Word, God's Word in him, meditating. And then there's the person, I always call it the, the play actor. They'd rather have their sins covered up than revealed. And God says in his Word, whatever you do, it will prosper. I've planted a lot of seed in 50 years of ministry. Some of it's eternal. I'll never see it on this side. But I will see it, and I'll not lose one, not one that's planted in him. There's coming a day when our people are going to be saved. In the nation of Israel, there are young people coming to faith every single day. Right now in, in uh Natanya, there are Holocaust survivors being born again because of the work that's going on in that community. You know what they call me when we go there and we deliver quilts and we give soup mix and everything? They call me the shiny face. The shiny face. Here comes shiny face. I didn't understand what that meant. I, I, I really didn't, I couldn't comprehend it at first. But then I read the scripture that Yeshua said, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're a beam of light. And we're the shiny-faced people. The Holocaust survivors of Europe said that when the Christians came and they rescued them and helped them, they were shiny-faced people. A young Israeli came and he flew on LL to Houston every week for eight weeks and took one of my classes. At the end of it, he met with me, and I said, Ari, Ari, you've been in my class, and you've cried in every single one of them. Every class I taught, you cried in every single one of them. And I said, what is it you're searching for, Ari? And he said, the light in your face. Our people want to see the light of the Ruach. Give it to them. They'll find their way. Elaine Melnick was sitting in the back, way back where those folks are in the back over here. And one day, she, this Jewish lady, Yiddish mama, stepped out into the aisle, right like right now, right in the middle. Praise and worship was going on. And she steps out. I'm on the bema, and I'm looking, and here comes this woman down the aisle, this Jewish woman. I know she's Jewish, I mean, and, and she's Orthodox. And she comes walking down the aisle, and she keeps looking at me, and she keeps walking, and I'm thinking, ay, ay, ay. What has happened? I mean, it kind of spooks you a little bit, you know? We're not used to it. She came down, and she stood right there. And worship was going on, and I'm thinking, <clears throat> ladies, would you please come down here, you know? And finally, I told Elaine Melnick, I, I, I said, Elaine, I said, Elaine, what's going on? What, what, what's happening? She said, I don't know, Rabbi, I was just following the light. That day, she was born again. She was following the light. She'd be like trees planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth its fruit in its season. The ungodly, check it out, are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. What are you looking for today? 
Some of you are visiting, I know. What are you searching for? Are you searching for community above relationship? Are you searching for Torah without Messiah? Are you searching for a community in relationship with Messiah? If you're searching for community with relationship in Messiah, you're in the right place. I encourage you today. I love being here. I'd move out here if God would let me. I told Seth Clayman a couple of weeks ago in Raleigh, Durham. And by the way, since July 1st, when I was supposed to retire, that night we had a prayer meet in my house with three Chinese people that were going to the underground church in China. And since then, I've been home in Houston on two Shabbats since July 1st. Some people say you're busier now than you were when you were the rabbi at Beth Messiah. I don't know, but I'm on vacation with God. And I want to just do what he wants me to do. I'm seeing souls saved. I'm seeing things like I've never seen them before. I'm able to witness to my Jewish people with an anointing I've never really had in a sense before. And they are hungry to know truth if you will share truth with them. Businessmen, doctors, lawyers, all kinds of Jewish people are coming to Beth Messiah. They're coming out of the woodwork all over the place. When I spoke in Raleigh-Durham this past month, and Seth told me, he said there were more Jewish people, believers and unbelievers, than any other in the history of Shire Shalom. And that day, Jewish people were wanting to know what it was that brought me to faith. You know what it was? It was the Salvation Army loving my mom in a desperate time of her life. It was Matthew 25. I was hungry and they fed me. I was naked and they clothed me. I was thirsty and they gave me drink. The final words of our Messiah, the judgment, how to judge the family of God. 